You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. I get to talk to you all about not only the Word of God and the Bible, but how we engage it in a personal way, how we connect with Scripture in a personal, life-transforming way. And I think Joe has been talking over the last few weeks about why we know the Bible is the Word of God, why it's true, uh, why it's accurate, why we don't have to have questions about whether or not on this being God's word um, to us, but today, specifically, Joe asked me to talk about, okay, well, we know all of that. How do we connect with the Bible? How do we connect with the word of God in a personal way? How does it become not just something that we read and kind of know for historical purposes, but something that really changes us? And so I love that because I have numerous examples in my own life of that happening for me. I see it happening in other people's lives. I know it's possible, and so I'm excited to talk about it today. Um, But I want to start with why people often read Scripture. And there's a variety of reasons that I hear. One is people read it for historical purposes. I run into, when I was a grad student at UCCS, I would run into religious studies uh, majors sometimes. And sometimes one of their textbooks would be the Bible. They would read it to get an understanding of what Christianity was about. They're not necessarily a Christian. They just want to know what Christianity is about. So they're reading it solely for historical purposes. Sometimes people read it for head knowledge. Okay, I want to know the right answer to say when someone asks me a question. And I know the right answer isn't always just Jesus. So I'm going to read it for more of a head knowledge. A lot of people, I think, read it out of what I'm supposed to read it. So I just read it. I have people who come in my office often that say, well, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible, and so I sit down, and I you know, have my daily devotional, and I read it, but I don't really understand it. I just do it because I'm supposed to. And I think that God's desire for us is that none of those things would be the sole reason why we read the Bible. That we would read it for something more than that. And I love missions. I love um, hearing about other countries. And once one of the stories that is fascinating to me I've heard it and read about it in several different books and things, is missionaries that come to a particular location that's relatively unreached. Maybe there's been a Christian who's come before there. Maybe somebody out of a village has traveled somewhere, and they've managed to get a hold of, like, a page or two of the Bible. And it may or may not be the New Testament. It might be the Old Testament. It might be something that we would think, well, that's, if I was going to choose to read scripture, that's not what I would choose to read. But a missionary will come into the village, and they'll, and these people will say, do you have a whole Bible? And they'll pull out this little page or two, and they say, we've had this page or two of scripture, and we've been reading it and thinking about it for years. And we want to know more. You have the whole Bible that can tell us more about who God is, and who Jesus is, and who I am in Him. And that is fascinating to me, that people would be so hungry for God's Word that they would have just a page or two and they would be able to read it for years. And God would work through it and reveal and teach to them. Amazing. The Bible Society, and I just did a little bit of research because I was curious, and unfortunately the most current statistic I could find was in 1592. But... They said in 1992, to the best of their knowledge, there have been 6 billion copies of the Bible printed in 2,000 languages and dialects. 
That tells me that the Bible is more than just a historical book, and it's more than what people are reading because they feel like they have to. There's something there people are hungry for. They want to know and understand Scripture because it's teaching and revealing something. There's a story of a guy when the mill went to Morocco a few years ago. I love this story. And Luke Atencio, who sometimes um, he does the Wicca Wicca stuff for Desperation Band. This is the best way how to describe it. I don't know what it's called. Um, he had this brilliant idea of let's put the Book of John on uh, on a CD-ROM with some music, so if people put it in their computer. They could read the Book of John. They put it in several different languages. And there's this story of this team who was in Morocco and they did a concert and they handed out thousands of these copies. And the next day, this guy came and found them and said, "Are you the Americans who did the rock?" I've read the book of John. I went home last night. I put it in. I read it once. I read it twice. I read it three times. All the way through. In one night, in one sitting. He said, I want someone to tell me who Jesus is and how I can know him. That wasn't somebody talking to him. That was the power of the word of God revealing itself to people. But I don't think that's just for people in other countries who've never heard So today we're going to talk about how do we, how does scripture speak to us personally, and how can we engage it? What are some tools that we can use so that when we sit down and open the Bible, it's not confusing all the time. It's not something that we feel like is dry, but it's something that starts to come alive to us. John 1.1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, or and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And what this says is that the Bible is not just a collection of stories or a historical textbook. That John is saying to us that that God is choosing to reveal himself through the word. Hebrews 4, 12-14 tells us that for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. author of the message, and I highly recommend for any of you who want to read his books, he's fantastic. But he says, God is himself incarnating himself by word. Words, language, is the way in which we reveal ourselves to one another. It's the primary means of deepening and continuing intimacy. So the idea being that it's not just God wrote some stuff down and wants us to read it. No, it's that he incarnated himself in words. The words are designed to reveal to us and draw us close into closer relationship with Him. This, I think, and I'm a huge fan of technology. I love texting. I'm on Twitter. You guys know what Twitter is. I love Twitter. Um, but this is, I think, one of the potential downfalls that we could have if we aren't careful with technology in our culture today is that we would lose the ability that's why God came and that's why he gave us a written word. It's his way of saying, I'm going to use language to reveal myself to you. And so so to engage the Bible as 
language that is God saying, no, this is my way, this is my way of communicating to you. There's this story, um, my dad just recently got into texting <laughs> the most last year. And my husband and I kind of laugh because he's gotten a lot faster. We used to sometimes text him, and then 20 minutes later we'd get something in response because he was trying to figure it out. And But he still has never, I know people now who send whole books to each other over text. You know, we, we communicate about our lives and what's going on. My dad sends things like, uh, like a few weeks ago we went to Iowa to visit my mom's side of the family. And throughout the weekend my dad would text us things like, take pictures, question mark. <laughs> In other words, we're like, what does that mean? And then we finally figured out, I think he wants us to take pictures. Or he would say to my husband, Jake, have fun? Question mark. Asking, are you having a good time? Now, if I were to rely on texting to communicate with my dad and know my dad, I would be in big trouble. Because I would get these little snapshots where I'm trying to, to read through the lines. But God has given us this whole book full of words and sayings stories that are designed to help us to know him in an intimate way. So first I want to talk about four ways that I think scripture engages us in a personal way. And then we're going to talk about some ways that we can engage scripture. So four ways, first of all, the scripture maybe connects with us without us maybe doing a lot of intentional effort. First is help in time of need. And this is probably the first and the primary way that we've, we realize, wow, Scripture has something to say to me. It's in a moment when you're in need of encouragement or comfort or strength or wisdom. And we could probably go around the room and everyone could share a story of, I remember this one time where I just didn't know what to do and I opened up my Bible and it was like the Scripture was written right for me. I remember when I was 11 years old and I was getting ready to go into middle school and I was really nervous about it. And I went to bed and I couldn't sleep and I got up and I went in into my dad's office. I said, he's like, what are you doing up? And I was like, I can't sleep. I'm really nervous about middle school. He said, well, I think it's okay to be nervous about new things. He's like, I want to show you that the Bible actually has something to say about this. So he turned to Matthew chapter 6, which is the chapter on Do Not Worry. And we read through it, and he said, and at the end where it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about what you will eat, or what you will drink, or what you will wear. For even the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you as well. And I remember as an 11-year-old thinking, Holy cow, God has something to say about my circumstance. Scripture met me in my time. After my mom passed away, a couple months after, the Lord gave me Psalm 30 as a promise. It says, You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you strength, or I give you praise forever and ever. Amen. Again, another time when the Lord spoke to me through Scripture in my time. Or, in the last couple of years, a lot of you probably don't know this, but I dealt with, I've been a fearful person for the majority of my life. The last couple of years, the Lord really began to stir that up. And I was finding myself being fearful in lots of different situations. And I turned to my friends, and I turned to my boyfriend at the time, and 
Aaron and Jossie, and those were all great resources to me. But at the end of the day, it was the Word of God that met me in my time of need. Because the Bible says that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. And it also says that perfect love casts out fear. And when I read that, I thought, hmm, I have been trying to figure out all these ways to handle fear in my life. And maybe if I just pray hard enough, maybe if I just try hard enough, maybe if I just go into every situation and say, just don't be scared, just don't be scared, but then I would be scared, and I read, perfect love drives out fear, and I thought, I'm going about this the wrong way, where do I go to get perfect love? I go to the Heavenly Father, and so every time fear would rise up inside of me, that verse would come to mind, and I would run to the Lord, and I'd say, God, you are the only one who can love me with perfect love, and your word tells me that perfect love drives out so God, would you love me in this place right now? And would you drag fear out of my life? The word of God, the Hebrew says, is alive and active. Powerful to me as an eternity. So that's the first way that we usually experience scripture connecting with us in the first way. Second way is a lot of times we want to know God and hear his voice. I have people who come in my office a lot of times and maybe they're facing a particular decision in their life and they're like, I'm not sure what to do about this and I'm praying about it and I just don't feel like I can hear God on it or I don't know what he would say to me and how do I know the difference between my own thoughts and my own feelings and what God would say. And one of the things that I tell them is if you're not sure, start reading more scripture. Because as we read through scripture, we begin to get a sense of there is this particular way that God talks. And there's particular things that, that are near and dear to who he is. There's things that he values that are important to him. So often, our perception of God or how we know him is based off of circumstantial things. Maybe the way our relationship with our father was. Maybe past hurts that we've had. Maybe something that a preacher told us one time. But part of how we will know and hear God's voice is by knowing and reading his word. Because he's consistent. The way he speaks in scripture is the way that he will speak to us. And he never contradicts himself. The third way that we that scripture speaks to us in a personal way is helping us understand where we fit in the story. So where do I fit in this bigger story? Because when we read through scripture, we don't see a bunch of individuals who kind of start over from scratch. It's not like the story, it's like multiple little short stories and every story starts over from scratch. No, if we look at scripture, what we see is God doing a work through thousands and thousands of years and people's lives fit into that. And so that's encouraging to me on a personal level that I'm not starting from scratch, that I'm actually fitting in connecting into a bigger story. And that it's not about me having to figure everything out and know, sometimes I think we put so much pressure on ourselves. What's my purpose? What's my calling? What am I supposed to do? I need to do something significant. And what if we took a step back and said, okay, well, I'm looking at scripture here and I'm seeing this story. It started with Adam and Eve. And and I'm in the mix of this, but, but I'm in the heritage with Abraham. Moses, and Esther, and Ruth, and David, 
and Saul and all of these people have formed a story. And I'm entering in now in 2008 or 2009. And what's the part that I'm going to play? It teaches me that I'm not just an independent, out on my own person, but that I'm wired to connect with the community and that each of us brings something to the table. It helps me know that that I don't have to strive to find my significance, but rather to ask the Lord, okay, where do I fit in this story that I see in Scripture? Lord, where would you have me fit? Thank you that I'm not starting from scratch, that I actually am entering into this huge heritage of faith that comes before me. And I don't know if you've ever read the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is full of interesting people who have struggles that are very similar to the ones we face today. And they make mistakes. And they fail sometimes. And they do stupid stuff. I mean, you read it and you're like, how in the world could someone make that type of decision? But I make those types of decisions sometimes. And it's encouraging to see that God is faithful to fulfill his purpose, even in the midst of their imperfections. And it tells me something about my own life. That even in the midst of my own imperfections and weaknesses, that God will be faithful to fulfill his purpose. That's the third thing. The fourth thing, the fourth way that Scripture speaks to us on a personal level is in renewing our minds. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove that God's will is is good, pleasing, and perfect. Isaiah 55 tells us that when God sends forth his word, that it doesn't return void, that it accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. That means that when we engage scripture, personal way when we read it, it's going to accomplish something in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. Now why is renewing our minds so important? It's because we live in a world that doesn't always operate out of truth. We can't just rely on what we hear on TV or in a movie or something that we read in the newspaper as being a source of truth. But because of what Joe's talked about in the last few weeks of us being able to know and rest on the Bible as being the word of God, being true, of it being inerrant, means without error, then we can we can go to it and rely on it as a source outside of our own thoughts or our own opinions and allow it to renew our minds. Let me tell you a story about this. There's a girl who came in my office about ten months ago and she was struggling with a eating disorder. She was very, very, very she had been binging and purging multiple times a day. She just could not get over it. And so every time she would come, every time she would come, we would open up scripture. And I would meet with her, and it wasn't like I thought ahead of time what scriptures would be good for her. It was through the course of talking, and like, that reminds me of this passage in Romans. And we would take out Romans, and we would read it. And I would say, this is truth for you in your situation Take it home. Read it. Think about it. Ask God to allow it to get inside of you. 
And she would come back the next week and she would say, you know, I've been reading it. I've been thinking about it. And every time the enemy tries to lie to me about my body, this scripture comes up. And I think, this is what God says about me. And it was renewing her mind. And she has multiple instances of that throughout the last ten months where she can point to scriptures that were marking points for her. That they spoke to her, she engaged them as truth, and they renewed her mind, and they set her free, a little bit more free than what she was before. So that now, because the Bible tells us that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that he is the father of lies. Now when the enemy comes, and he pokes a little lie at her, like, oh, well, your, your value is only dependent upon what you what your body looks like or something. She can go back to not just something that I said, because that's just my opinion. She goes back to scripture. She says, no, this is what God says to me about this. And this has changed the way that I think, and it's changed the way that I live. It's renewing her mind. Okay, so the four things that I think help in time of need, that's one way scripture speaks to us. Knowing and hearing God's voice is another practical way that God speaks to us. Helping us understand where we fit in the story. So knowing that we're not an independent entity, but that we're connected. Not just with each other now, here and now, but in this heritage of faith that has built this huge foundation for us to enter into and to live off of. And that encourages us by reading stories in the Bible of people who've come before us. And then... um, Allowing our minds to be renewed. Alright, so how do we connect with the Bible in a personal way? When we sit down to read it. Those are ways that I think sometimes accidentally the Bible can connect with us. You hear about it in a sermon or something, but you might think, okay, well that's great. But when I sit down, or maybe you've gone and seen someone for help with something, or talk to a, a good friend about something they've given you a scripture to hold on to and that's been great and that's wonderful and those are ways that scripture will tell us yes it's for us it's personal it can change us but what about the times when you say okay well I, in my quiet time with the Lord when I sit down to read the Bible it's not like I'm I, I open it up and it's just it's kind of dry I mean those things that you talked about I maybe I've experienced those things but it seems like it's been more on kind of an accident that it's happened. How do I know, how do I begin to build a relationship with Scripture, if you will, so that when, in my time with the Lord, when I sit down and read, I'm not just hoping that somebody will help me find something meaningful, but I have tools to be able to engage Scripture in a way that makes it come alive. And so I want to talk about five things that I think we can do that will help us. The first is to invite the Holy Spirit in the process. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is our counselor and our teacher. In John 14, 26, it says, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Those are Jesus' words to his disciples before he went through his death and resurrection. Now, I'm not going to be with you forever, but I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to teach you and counsel you and remind you of what I have said. Hebrews 10, 
verses 15 through 17, talks about the Holy Spirit writing God's laws on our hearts and our minds. And so engaging the Holy Spirit in the process, inviting Him. What do I mean when I say that? It's not some sort of weird, type thing. It's just sitting down and saying, Holy Spirit, the Bible tells me that you are my counselor and my teacher. And I pray that you would speak to me through Scripture today. That you would help Scripture to come alive to me. Or if you find something and you read something and you're like, I really don't know, I don't understand this. To say, okay, Holy Spirit, would you help me to understand? Even if it's not right this minute, would you work in my heart and bring me, help me to understand Scripture? I don't understand what this passage is saying to me or how it would apply to me. Would you reveal it to me? So it's just, it's just a simple invitation, giving the Holy Spirit permission to work in the heart Two is to adjust your perspective. I think a lot of us view reading the Bible out of a sense of obligation versus out of this is life to me. And the reason why I say that is because that is definitely how I was in reading the Bible for the majority. I've been saved since I was five or six years old. And it's just been in the last ten years or so that my perspective on this has begun to shift. But imagine if a girl were to come to me on a Friday night and say, I need to talk to you about something. And I sat down and I said, all right, um, I'm obligated to talk to you. It's my job. It's what Aaron pays me to do. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here because I have to be, not necessarily because I want to be. But please, please share with me about your life. Open up. I want, you know, that's, that doesn't exactly invite someone to share what's going on in their lives, does it? But when we think about it in the reverse of, is that how we come to Scripture sometimes? That we come and say, oh, I, I have to do this. This is, I'm supposed to do it. Everyone tells me I should. So here I am, and I'm going to do it. I don't really want to. I don't know that we're setting ourselves up with that perspective to really but what if I came to that girl and she said, I need to talk to you about something. I said, I would love to hear. I would love to know what's going on in your life. I want to learn not just what your current struggle is, but I want to know about your life. I want to hear about who you are. Wouldn't that make her want to open up to me and there would begin to be a sharing process? Scripture is alive and active. That's what the Bible tells us. So second is to adjust our perspective. Um... David did a great job of this. In Psalm 119.24, he says, Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. In Psalm 119.45, he says, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. And at one point in Psalm 119, he even says something along the lines of, I sing of your commands wherever I lodge. And I, was, I read that and I was like, I don't know that I'm to that point of the scripture. Where I would run around singing with joy because the Bible, but David had a perspective on Scripture that it was life to him. 
And so for us to adjust our perspective and say, I don't want this to be an obligation. I want to open your word and I want to have it be loved. Okay, the third thing is to talk about it with someone. To share with a friend or your small group what you learned or what questions you might have about something that you've read. I don't know if you've ever done that before. I think sometimes you kind of shy away from it because you're like, well, I don't want to be seen as weird, you know? But I think sometimes if we say, oh, even if it's with a good friend, this morning I was reading this in Scripture and it just spoke to me, and I want to share it with you. And then that might encourage the other person, oh, I don't know if you've ever had this happen where you share something with someone and then they say, that's exactly where I'm at. That is so encouraging to me. Or if you have a question. I remember I have a good friend who came to me one time. She said, I've been reading this passage of scripture and it makes no sense to me. Do you mind looking at it and seeing if you can help me figure it out? And so I read it and I was like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. <laughs> Let's talk about it. And so we just started talking about it and figuring out, oh, this idea started coming, and then this idea, and then this idea, and all of a sudden, the scripture was not something that we didn't understand. It was something that was causing us to think and to dialogue. Oh, this, this totally speaks to this area of my life. And, and so to share it with someone. Hopefully in your small groups, you guys are reading scripture if you're a part of a small group. You read scripture sometimes and you talk about it. I was a part of a small group at the beginning of the mill called Sela. And I remember one time... <laughs> We would get in these intense debates about scripture and go back and forth about it. And we never necessarily arrived at a conclusion, but it was fascinating and it made me realize, wow, scripture really does get to the heart of things for people. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 8 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. And so even back in the Old Testament, when God first gave his commandments to his people, he encouraged them to talk about them with each other. Talking about scripture causes it to be alive. Number four, practice what you read. And this is something that actually, the other things are things that I've maybe thought about and known for a while now. This is something that was new to me in preparing to come here today. Uh, this is something that I haven't necessarily given, hadn't really realized before, given a lot of thought to. But it came as I was doing research over the last week and just looking at scriptures and thinking and praying. It's in James 1, 22-25. And when I read this, I thought, this, this is a new idea for me. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, will be blessed in what he does. And I read that and I thought, well, that makes sense. I don't know that I actually I was like, this is so interesting. Why does God compare it to like a man looking in the mirror? 
And so I started thinking about it, and I actually have a mirror today. And this is what it would be like. This is sometimes what I think happens to us. I think sometimes when we sit down and open scripture, and I bet if I, were, if I say this, all of us could relate to this. Maybe we'll sit down in the morning and we'll read a psalm or we'll read a passage of scripture. And it's great. But then by the afternoon, if someone were to ask us, so what did you read this morning? The scripture. We might be like, uh, I mean, I, I do that as well. If someone were to ask me, I think that would be sometimes the answer that I would give. It's like, it's like this. It's like, if I were to have this mirror, Imagine if I had to carry this mirror everywhere I went, and and I, if if I were to go up and introduce myself to someone, say say someone comes up and says, "Hey, I'm John. It's nice to meet you. What's your name?" And I would be like, "Uh, uh, uh, I'm Noel." Imagine if I had to carry a mirror with me everywhere I went, and I was constantly, like, looking at it to remind myself, this is who I am. Uh, who am I again? Oh, yeah. Well, and that would be really, really weird. But that's what the Bible is telling us, that this is, this is what it's like. That's what it's like when we read the Bible, but we don't actually go out and practice what it says. We forget if you've ever watched a little baby, I watch my niece, uh, Maya, on Monday morning. She's five months old. And she loves to look in the mirror. And she's getting to the age now where if I hold her up to the mirror and I say, Who's that? And she's like, Oh. She recognizes. She's starting to recognize herself in the mirror. And I say, That's Maya. That's Maya. So that hopefully, I mean, naturally, Someday, she's not going to have to carry this around and say, who am I? Who am I? She's looked at herself enough and heard it enough to know, oh, okay, I'm Maya. So when she goes to meet someone, they say, what's your name? She doesn't have to go run and look in the mirror. She just says, I'm Maya. I've seen myself and I've, I, I know who I am. I think this connects with the idea of renewing our minds and the scripture renews our minds. But there's something powerful when we not only read the word, but we ask ourselves, or ask the Lord, how would you want me to respond to what your word says? What would you, what would you want me to do with this? What if I go out and I actually put this into practice? And so maybe it's one day when you're reading scripture and it says something about malicious talk or gossip. And you say, well, maybe today I shouldn't talk about my co-worker. Not only reading the word, but doing the word. Or maybe you read a passage on how God cares so much about the care of widows and orphans, and you're like, well, I don't really know any widows and orphans. Uh, how am I going to put this into practice? But the heart behind that is God cares about the people who maybe the rest of our society doesn't necessarily see. You say, okay, Lord, I'm going to keep my eye out today for somebody that maybe nobody else is going to pay attention to. And I'm going to pay attention to them. Not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And the Bible tells us that that causes something to come alive, something to solidify in us. It's different than when we just read and go away and don't comprehend. 
some of the most powerful classes I've had in school have been the ones not where I just sat and listened to a lecture, but where I actually had to do something, a project, or go out and interview somebody, or practice what I learned. So that's another way for Scripture to come alive to us. The one thing I want to say about this is how do we keep it from becoming pressure-oriented and works-oriented as opposed to grace-oriented? Because I think some of us would hear that and say, okay, well, I just need to do more. We, I already feel guilty when I read Scripture that I'm not doing enough. And now you're telling me I just need to do more. That's not what I'm saying. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, it says, By the grace of God, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians, it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. He says, No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And so I think it's not so much a, I just need to do more, and I'm so bad, and I just never do enough, and I read this, and I feel guilty, and I just need to do more saying, no, it's only by the grace of God that I'm really able to do what the Bible says. And so inviting the grace of God to work in our lives and recognize that we're dependent on Him. And then the last, the last one is to choose to persevere. I think sometimes um, there is truth to the statement that we aren't always going to feel that Scripture is connecting with us. It isn't always going to be something that we feel good about. Luke 8, 11 through 15 talks about God's word falling on different types of soil. And in verse 15, he says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Some days... We just aren't going to feel it. We'll sit down to read, and maybe we've tried all these things. We've engaged the Holy Spirit. We're looking for how can I respond to this and, and actually go out and do something. We're, maybe we talk about it with someone, or we think about talking about it. Maybe we're saying, I want this to be life to me and not an obligation. And still, it's like, it just doesn't really connect. In January, I started reading through the Old Testament straight through. I've never done that before. And when I got to Leviticus, I almost this has nothing for me. I do not get it. I mean, it's just all about the sacrifices and animals. I was even reading it in a message version. So it's still not really connecting. Some days are like that. They are. But that's why as Christians, we don't live by our feelings. We live by truth. And the Bible tells us that we need the word of God. It's like this. I have a thyroid disease. I take a little tiny pill for it every single day. I feel normal every day. I don't feel sick. And so I've been taking it for almost 10 years now. And some days I forget. The longest I've ever forgotten is three days. Um, and at that point, your thyroid controls like your hormones, your metabolism, your major organ functions. It actually plays a really vital role in your body staying alive and functioning. So if I were to forget to take it and not take it for a really long time, I would eventually die. But if I miss a day or two here and there, I'm not going to notice. But when I get to three or four days that I've gone without taking my medication, I wake up and I start to feel tired. I'm kind of depressed feeling. I'm kind of 
realize what's going on. My body just doesn't feel right. And it's because I need this medicine on a daily basis, on a regular basis, even though I don't always feel like I need it. And I think scripture is like that for us. We may not always feel like we need it, but if it is life to us, if it's our way of knowing God intimately, if it's our way of making sure that we can hear his voice, not just against our own thoughts or emotions, then we do. We need it, even if we don't always feel like we need it. So, um, invite the Holy Spirit in the process, adjust your perspective, talk with them, talk with someone about what you've read, practice what you've read, and then on the days where it just isn't feeling like it's cooking, choose to pursue Recognize even though I don't really connect with Leviticus, I'm going to read it. Because this is God's word to me. This is his way Alright, we have a few minutes. So, does anybody have any thoughts or comments? That's true. 
Because sometimes we're like, I need to understand, I need to understand. Come on, understand. And maybe it's something that if we just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this. And that you will show me eventually, and I'll keep returning to it. I mean, I think there are things about Scripture that people who are in their 60s or 70s would still say, I'm not totally sure I know what that verse means. This is what I think. And I'm doing the best that I can. But over the t- over time, that God speaks to us and reveals to us and gives us more and more. And for it to not be a question for him, One last comment. I'm not good at saying no to people.
that's great because that's a great example of not only reading the word but then allowing it to change us from the inside out. All right, well, let me pray for us and then we're done. And thanks so much for letting me be here for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word is alive, that it speaks to us, that it separates out for us our thoughts and our attitudes that it brings conviction to our lives, that it brings strength and comfort and encouragement, that it's a source of wisdom when we aren't sure what direction to go. Father, that it tells us who we are in you, that we are loved by you, that we are chosen by you, that we are accepted by you, that you forgive us of our sins, that you desire for us to walk in freedom, that you want to help us to renew our minds and to know you in deep and personal ways. And so, Father, I pray for each person here and for myself included. And I just, we just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us when we read. That your word would come alive to us. And that it would change us from the inside out. And that we would begin to have a relationship with your scripture. Where we recognize that we are in need of it. And that it is life to us. And that it's through that that we know you. And know who we are that we would be hungry for it. Father, I pray that you would make